Section two of the Rover, Volume one, number eighteen. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Rover, Volume one, number eighteen, edited by Seba Smith and Lawrence Labrie. Section two just fifteen by s d g of maysville kentucky we always did love to do the sweet ladies justice they are capable of making themselves so dear to us and are such fair flowers blossoming on the rude pathway of man's existence for this simple reason do we take pleasure in transferring to the pages of the rover the following pretty story from the western star we like it for it brings before our own vision a shadowy picture of the past long ago when we were just fifteen not so very long either it minds us of the old schoolhouse upon the green of our merry companions alas where are they now all scattered many dead none as they then were so happy so free of care and corroding thought oh it makes us melancholy to think of those bygone days just fifteen why yes the very time to get in love for there is no bitter then to pour into our cup of sweets there is no discord to mar the harmony of our spiritual music the idol which we have placed in the temple of our worship had no unjust proportions to offend the delicacy of our conception and like immortal paris we go to our rosy slumbers but to associate in dreamy enchantment with the sweet object of our young affections like a gay butterfly just burst from its chrysalis we revel in ecstasies in the new world we have found where all seems joy and sunshine in memory of these things do we like just fifteen it makes us a boy again see there is effie duncan look at our plate sweet effie we will wager our goose quill and we value it not lightly that our author is an authoress for we see her heart pictured all through the story we will hear from her and she will confess herself a woman she will not need a mirror for the glassy streams of her own beautiful valleys will reflect the likeness of her form and features though the fates forbid that like narcissus she fall in love with her own shadow and pine away into a daffodil we met the flower which we call blooming in the wilderness and with care have we transplanted it to a warmer clime and given it as companions the rich and rare may we not hope for this occasionally to receive from the same unknown source fresh flowers of exceeding beauty from the wide west and that another's hand will not be unserviceable in roaming through the mazy paths of literature l l just fifteen by s d g of maysville kentucky they were just fifteen those young lovers 
and the golden autumn sunlight falling with so mellow and rich a radiance over their perfect forms and eloquent countenances gave to their appearance an air of yet more extreme youth and childishness than really belonged to them they were just fifteen rupert clare and effie duncan yet who that beheld the boy's bold earnest manner his long passionate gaze upon the fair face before him the eager eloquent words that fell from his lips and the flash of excited feeling that glowed on his cheek who that saw all this together with the tight clasp of his hand on the fair one that trembled in his own who i say would have believed they were just fifteen they were just fifteen mere children in age and also in form yet what could be the theme that had power to stain the soft cheek of effie duncan with so deep a crimson and make her tremble before that youth's earnest eye as the aspen leaf trembles in the summer breeze they stood by the river bank in the soft radiant sunlight effie's bonnet lying on the grass where it had fallen and her light glittering ringlets unconfined by comb or band for she was just fifteen and of course could not be considered old enough for a woman sweeping in graceful luxuriance over her snowy neck and shoulders one hand resting in the clasp of the eager youth and her clear bright eye roving away over the water as if in expectation of some coming object you need not fear his return yet said the boy as he marked that uneasy and restless glance along the surface of the stream that flowed in quiet majesty by them i think there is no danger of his immediate return and you need not fear to trust yourself alone with me for a few minutes at least he added with some bitterness in his tone and at the same moment releasing her hand so eagerly retained in his own till now the girl made no reply and he continued you would not be so cheery of your time with dudley allen and he does not love you as i do either but his father is rich i am a poor boy effie still did not speak but she raised her clear tearful eyes to his face and taking the hand he had withdrawn she pressed it silently and convulsively to her lips as if by that mute appealing eloquence alone she might convince him how deeply his thoughts wronged her rupert drew her passionately to his bosom acknowledged his injustice with bold and generous frankness and would have kissed away her tears from her cheek with all the gallantry of twenty-five but the girl drew back while the colour of her cheek grew yet deeper at every word the noble boy uttered and at every pressure of his hand on her own but to resume our first subjects of the youth at length taking up the thread of their original discourse when i am gone effie you will no longer love me as you love now my presence will be wanting to remind you of the past and in a few months perhaps weeks you will forget that such a being as rupert clare ever whispered love to you and received from your own sweet lips the yet sweeter and dearer assurance that you too loved and loved him i thought it was man's province to forget said effie stooping down to call a wild flower that grew close by her side and holding it up before him with a half smile she continued do you see this flower they tell me that flowers are meet emblems of the constancy of your volatile sex if so how long rupert will your affection for me last until you see some newer and lovelier face keep the flower dear effie till we meet again said the youth returning it to her keep it till we meet and although it may be withered and scentless ere then 
yet with tender care and gentle handling like your own you will see that it will retain much of its early bloom and beauty even so it is with me long before we meet again the freshness and vigor of youth may be gone from me but the heart oh never will the heart lose its warm feeling of truth and affection never will its gushing springs of early love become dry beneath the wasting and arid influence of the cold and reckless world never will i live to say i cannot feel now as i felt once my heart has grown hard in the world's ways and i am no longer what i have been no no rather let me die than outlive the youth of my heart and these were the words and these the sentiments of fifteen alas young dreamer you little know the world and the world's ways you little know how it changes everything that comes within its blighting influence and the heart above all things well i have escaped so far perhaps you may also and you will not forgive me said the girl blushing at her own boldness never never replied the boy with an energy that carried conviction with it and if my father should use force to compel me to marry dudley allen asked the girl irresolutely rupert clare bent the slight cane he held in his hand until it almost snapped beneath his weight light as it was his flushed cheek and burning brow were answer enough they said more than words could say rupert is gone to college and six months have passed away since the lovers of fifteen last saw each other beside the river bank and almost on the very spot where she parted with rupert clare effie duncan is again seated engaged in the sportive and everyday employment of angling in the stream whose quiet waters never glassed a finer form or lovelier face than is now reflected on the clear mirror of its peaceful bosom near her stood a gentleman whose strikingly handsome features bore so strong a resemblance to the fair girls as to leave little doubt of the relation in which they stood to each other who do you love best in all the world effie asked her father breaking a long silence as he threw his hook into the glittering waters after an unsuccessful attempt to obtain a fine perch that had for some time been playing with his patience who do you love the best effie my father and mother replied the girl affecting to be busy in baiting her hook which however needed no replenishing as mr duncan might easily have perceived and perhaps did perceive my father and mother of course you are a very dutiful daughter i know said mr duncan with provoking calmness but i did not allude to your parents or indeed to any of your relations there is a love entirely different from the love of kindred and it was dispassion to which i had reference when i asked the question i am too young to love replied effie stooping down over the water to hide the conscious blush that mantled to her very temples i am too young to love you forget that i am just fifteen years old and six months added her father coolly and he continued smilingly i have known persons to love even younger than fifteen effie and according to modern rule women are decided old maids at twenty-two so i thought it advisable to remind you of the necessity that would ultimately compel you to choose a partner from among the many of your rural admirers that generally throng my parlour on sundays and not the least devoted in his attention among them all is dudley allen as i have observed with much pleasure too for though much your senior dudley is a young man of excellent heart and principles and he wrote to me this morning on the subject begging permission to visit my house and entreating my intercession with you in his favour 
can you make up your mind to look upon him as your future husband if i tell you it is my wish for you to do so i can replied effie with mournful resolution and in a firm steady voice nor did her looks quail under the keen searching brilliant eye that her father bent on her during his quest and her answer but when after he had kissed and blessed her for the ready obedience she showed to his wishes effie looked around on the scene that before lay smiling in all the fresh and glowing loveliness of early spring it seemed to her as if the beauty had suddenly faded from every object and a dark shadow had fallen over all that but now had appeared so glorious and so bright to the partial gaze of affection alas sweet effie the shadow was on thine own heart and not on the outward world how short a time may suffice to work a change in the human heart that weeks days and even years under ordinary circumstances would fail to effect how slight a word will sometimes do what at some others ages yes ages could never accomplish effie was no longer a child it seemed as if that moment and that command and the necessity for exertion that it enforced called forth powers and a strength of mind and principle that she was herself not aware of possessing and it was with a calm collected air and a step of unfaltering firmness that she followed her father to the house where she expected to find the dreaded dudley allen true to his time dudley came and after a long conversation with mr duncan in his study he sought effie whose heart sunk within her as she saw him though she met him with a coolness and self-possession that surprised even herself he made no allusion however to the subject of his suit nor did his demeanour toward her differ from its accustomed tone in the slightest degree and several days passed away before dudley alluded to his hopes and the subject of his discourse with mr duncan and then it was with so much delicacy and gentle regard for her feelings that effie listened to him with far less repugnance than she had anticipated but still the image of rupert clare was ever in her heart growing with her growth and strengthening with her strength it served to check her admiration of the noble qualities of dudley allen to pale her cheek when he spoke to her of love in love's sweetest language and to dampen the esteem and friendship that is anything but a lover she would willingly have entertained for him often too often for dudley's hopes alas the little flower rupert had requested her to retain was bathed in tears of hopeless affection and anguish tears no human eye might see but all the more bitter that the pang which caused them to flow must be concealed within the depths of her own silent heart at length the time for the marriage was decided on and mr duncan wrote to require the presence of rupert clare at the joyful festival the letter found the young student in a gay company of collegians and never dreaming of its contents being otherwise than pleasant he hastily broke the seal and read the words that struck like a death-bolt to his heart no sign of emotion escaped him however save that his cheek became deadly pale and his lips slightly quivered with an expression of extreme pain what is the matter clare any ill news in your letter for you look very pale asked one of his companions whose eyes detected the change in rupert's countenance nothing no ill news whatever only a passing chill replied rupert passing his hand over his forehead as if to dispel some cloud from his vision the company shortly after broke up and rupert prepared with a heavy heart to obey the request of mr duncan his guardian he arrived at home 
two days before the one destined to seal his own misery determined if possible to avoid all communion with effie and to act toward her with all the haughty indifference that his noble but haughty spirit could command his firmness almost gave way however when he saw her so changed so mournful and so sad and although she smiled as she gave him her hand it was a strange joyless furtive smile which almost raised the ungenerous hope in his own bosom that she could not be was not happy in her choice he was strolling through the garden on the last evening before the bridal endeavouring to call to his aid in the coming trial to his feelings a sufficient degree of moral resolution to enable him to bear up boldly at least in the eyes of others and of all others those of effie herself when he was roused by a slight rustling of leaves close by and the next instant the girl stood before him pale trembling and affrighted though evidently from her looks expecting to see and meet with him rupert would have turned away but effie caught his arm exclaiming hastily and in a trembling voice only one moment i will detain you but a moment rupert the youth paused and stood silently and proudly beside her awaiting her next words with bent head and an air of respectful and dignified attention that stung the girl to the very soul a moment before and she would have explained all everything and confessed to him how little her heart was in the approaching marriage now she was as cold as rupert himself as proud and as self-possessed and drawing back for him to pass on and calmly saying i did wish to make some explanations to you but i will not detain you she walked slowly and resolutely away leaving rupert to curse his wayward folly and the imperious pride that had influenced his conduct he would have followed and entreated her to hear him to pity to forgive and ever to regard him as a friend if he could be no more to her but that same pride forbade the humiliation until the garden gate closed after her and then just as he bounded forward to obey the impulse of his heart and join her he saw dudley allen radiant with hope and happiness spring to her side and the bitter jealousy of rupert could easily interpret the meaning of the flowing words that caused effie to turn away her burning cheek from the admiring gaze of her lover it was enough more than enough for it did not need that he should see the girl voluntarily present her hand to his rival to be covered with such passionate kisses at what he could fully comprehend as some earnest assurance from effie herself to send the sting of anguish yet deeper into his heart it was enough and sick of all he saw the world in himself also the lover of fifteen resolved in his own mind that on the day following the fatal marriage he would leave his native country never to visit its green and sunny shores again young boy be not so ready in thy bold and independent conclusions remember thou hast a guardian who is still the arbiter of thy acts and deeds and thou hast an education that is yet to be finished and all these things taken into consideration i think it likely that some time may elapse ere you leave your native shores for ever and before the time of thy minority expires you may have forgotten that such a being as the lovely effie duncan existed for such is nature man's nature at least the evening of the marriage at length arrived and the young effie arrayed in bridal robes and concealing a bleeding heart beneath a calm and tranquil demeanour descended to the anxious throng assembled in her father's elegant parlour to witness and enjoy the gay pageant of the marriage festival 
rupert who had steadily and rigidly refused the entreaties of dudley and mr duncan to join the train of waiters without being able to offer any excuse whatever for such a refusal came forward to a spot where he could obtain a full view of the bride and fixed his deep searching gaze on her countenance effie might have gone calmly yes calmly at least through the dreadful ceremony she might even have returned the caresses and gratulations of her family and friends but for the strange intense fixed meaning expression of that long and steady gaze into her very soul but there are moments in human life when the conventional control usually exercised over the feelings in our intercourse with the world around us will give way beneath our very nature so to speak that whatever may be our pride or firmness of strength of mind we cannot altogether crush or deaden it is human nature to be natural sometimes and despite ourselves we cannot choose but be so and this was a moment in the life of the young effie when the heart spoke for itself when it broke from the constraint put upon its pure warm impulses and spoke in its own only language and every heart there even the most worldly and hardened understood well the meaning though they could not know the cause of the deep and deadly paleness that overspread the white cheek of effie as the words wilt thou take this man for thy wedded husband to love honour and obey sounded in her ears the solemnity of that clergyman's voice and manner adding force to the seriousness of the duty those words imposed but no answer came from the livid and bloodless lips of the young bride and though the words fell like ice on her heart she seemed not to heed their meaning while her eye roved with a wild and vacant stare for a moment over the crowd and then fixed as if by fascination upon the convulsed and rigid countenance of rupert clare mr duncan stepped forward and whispered a few words of comfort and encouragement in his daughter's ear which however she did not seem to understand and while he was speaking she sunk slowly in his arms no longer able to bear up under her own strong feelings water water she is fainting exclaimed mr duncan hurriedly oh haste she will die indeed she will all the proud triumphant happiness of the man of a minute before yielding at once to the feelings of the father and the impulses of a better nature and loftier being dudley allen passed near pale and trembling for he really loved effie with the truth and constancy of a high and noble nature had pressed her cold hand again and again to his lips murmuring assurances of affection and love that so far from soothing the half-fainting girl but sent the arrow deeper into her heart at this moment and just as effie began to recover strength a little flower faded worn and withered became detached from the bouquet in her hair and fell to the floor what woman's caprice had prompted the wearer in placing it so pale and so colourless and dried among the rich and blooming flowers that formed her bridal garland alack a woman's heart who can read it not herself oftentimes it fell to the floor the little flower unnoticed by any eye save one alone the eye of him whose touch had made it a sacred relic and whose words as he presented it had been remembered and believed and wept over and cherished as the prophetic symbols of hope and happiness rupert stooped down and secured the flower and as he gazed upon its faded leaves mute tell-tales of the affection that had preserved it so long all his pride was subdued into remorse for his late cruelty and something of the truth half suspected from what 
took place the day previous began dimly to shadow itself forth to his mind when he at length looked up from his reverie the parties were again arranged on the floor and the minister was preparing though evidently with much reluctance at the earnest entreaties of the father to proceed with the ceremony the moment effie recovered mr duncan was himself again the man of the world neither cold nor cruel nor unkind but the ambitious unimaginative solid-thinking and calculating man of the world who would forget in the busy hours of bustling life the warmer ties of human love to feel yet more sensibly their power and truth when by his own hearth with its ring of happy faces around and about him wife and children and friends like the mother of the gracchi these were his jewels though not his only jewels almost involuntarily rupert joined the group on the floor and scarce knowing what he did he moved forward to effie still holding the withered memento of affection in his hand and kneeling humbly before her murmured her name in the low sweet tones of his musical voice at the same time gazing up in her face with a mingled expression of hope curiosity reproach pity and love not to be mistaken by any there and mr duncan already much mortified by his daughter's weakness and now doubly stung by the strange conduct of rupert seized him somewhat rudely by the shoulder saying as he forced him to rise bold boy what mean you how dare you trifle with me rupert in such a moment as this it is no trifling sir replied the boy humbly but firmly if your daughter will not say that her heart is against this marriage and is even now breaking in her bosom i will leave your presence and hers for ever ask her oh ask her sir and she will tell you i speak but truth continued rupert clasping his hands in passionate entreaty effie is this true asked mr duncan turning toward her but he needed no words to tell him that it was for his daughter's countenance told it all but too plainly alas to need the superfluous sanction of any words mr duncan stood irresolute for many minutes while the shadows of manifold things passing in his mind threw both their light and their gloom upon his countenance at length he turned to dudley who had stood a silent observer of the same silent but silent as we are when feeling most and only with his eyes sought to ask of him the question his heart dictated dudley understood him at once and joining the soft hand that he had gloried in winning as his own in that of rupert clare he replied to the father's look of inquiry with a sad sweet smile i give her up i wish not the casket without the jewel that only made it precious effie i hope you will be happy for if love ever deserved reward yours does think not of me for though i cannot forget yet every dream must have its wakening and every heart its dream dudley allen did awake from his dream to a life of quiet happiness but rupert is only fifteen exclaimed mr duncan in bewilderment and six months added effie with an arch smile as she threw her arms round her father's neck and kissed him joy and hope once more reanimating her countenance do not suppose dear reader that mr duncan could sanction a marriage of just fifteen years and six months he was too much a man of the world and our young lovers were even fain to buy their time as the woman said in the workhouse and leave fifteen far behind them before the solemn ceremonial was performed that binds till death shall part End of section 2